What's up, Internet? You're tuning to episode 56 of the Steam Deck Podcast, Flipscreen Games Weekly Gaming Podcast, all about Valve's portable PC powerhouse, the Steam Deck. I'm your host, Peter Messi, joined as always by my very good friend and co-host, the finest mind in the Steam Deck community, making his grand return to the show, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello, hello. Hello, Steve. Good to have you back. Yeah, thanks, uh, Chris, for filling in for me. It was, you know... A bad episode for me to miss. I was really excited about it that. It really news. was. It really yeah. was a bad episode for you to miss. I was going to say it was, you know, Chris did a great job holding down the fort. Of course, I think we had a really great discussion last week. Um, but yeah, we definitely missed you. Um, and I I, uh, I took the, the, the DMs that you and I had about the news story the night before. And I was trying to weave your comments in. So it's like, <laughs> you know, I'm sure the people want to hear what you think about it. Right. So, um, but, you know, the, yeah. the, the nice thing is, Steve, this week we have a little bit of a follow up. On last week's story so we'll get to pepper your thoughts in a little bit i think here and there mm. so that's yeah, the, the story has progressed what do they call it an emerging story it's still ongoing yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's actively breaking right um i i actually thought we might have seen something this week because it was the 20th anniversary of steam i thought maybe they they do some news instead we just got a big sale psa if anyone's listening to this still doesn't have a steam deck it's on sale at the moment up to 20 percent off i think yeah it's pretty good it's a pretty good the, uh the pretty deep discount 20 years yeah if, if you're getting the most expensive model it's up to uh it's 20 percent off the uh 64 gig is 10 percent, and the middle model which is the one that we recommend to like most people uh is 15 percent off so i mean in the states, you're looking at four forty nine sixty five. So, I mean, getting it for under five hundred dollars is is a pretty pretty sweet deal. You're saving like fifty bucks. So, I uh, yeah, if you're if you're one of those people who are listening to the show uh, because you want a Steam Deck but you haven't gotten one yet, I would say this is a, a pretty good time to bite. If you're not, you know, you're not feeling waiting for you know Black Friday and maybe a deeper discount down the road, but. I don't think we've seen a bigger discount than twenty percent, have we? I think this is pretty much on par with what they've always done. 10, Correct 15, me if I'm 20. wrong, though. During the black, the last big sale, because it wasn't Black Friday, it was the summer sale, wasn't it twenty percent across the board, like every model? No, was that I much don't off? think so. It's twenty oh, percent okay. across. I think it's twenty percent across the board on the refurb models. Okay, because you can get a a refurbished sixty-four gig for under three hundred pounds in the UK, uh, but they're never in stock these days. They're just always sold out. So I have no idea when. When we'll be getting more refurbished models in. Okay, so it looks like the summer sale, it was cheaper. It was, I think, $130 off. Oh, no. All right. No, you're looking at the same. You're looking at about the same. Either way, this is a good deal. This is this is a great time to buy. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah is and this and, almost and exactly the same as the best sale it's ever had. It's a few dollars more. Yeah, and there's a ton of games on sale as well for the 20th anniversary, and there's like new stuff in the points shop if customizations, any of that stuff that you care about. So go check it out if you haven't already. I'm sure everyone already has because you turn on your Steam Deck and you go to the store and it's it's in your face. It's there. Sure. But yeah, if you've been on the fence, I think now's probably a good time to buy ahead of the holidays, you know? All right, so that's yeah. that's not what we're here to That's enough of that. Enough shilling for, for Valve. You go buy a Steam Deck, mm. everybody. Yeah. We're going to chill about some other stuff, right? Because we talked all, all last week about um, Valve has a new piece of hardware coming. We know Valve has a new piece of hardware coming. There's debate as to, you know, is it a deck? Is it the next VR device? We talked all about that last week on the show with Chris. So if you missed that conversation, make sure you go check it out. We'll give you a brief recap today. If you didn't 
get to listen to it so that you can you know keep up. But I definitely recommend going and listening to that episode uh, before this one because uh, we get pretty deep into the the story over there, and some of that foundational knowledge will definitely benefit you during today's discussion. Um, but if you haven't gotten a chance to check it out, we'll give you the the broad strokes so you can keep up. So where we're at, right, is we we know Valve's next headset is is on the way. It seems now, based on what we talked about last week, that it's imminent, right? That was that was your takeaway, Steve, right? Was that what what the the patent we were looking at was for a VR headset, correct? Yeah, I think it was that it was too soon for a, another Steam Deck, and I don't know that there was enough reasoning uh, there. Whereas we'd seen this patent for the uh, and like rumors of the Galileo, and there was a bunch of other things, you know. Uh, I think brad had uh, brad lynch had found a ton of stuff in in steam steam's vr mode had had multiple updates and seemed to be pointing towards the fact that the index is getting long in the tooth what's next for vr from from valve right and you know obviously there was the the context from last week that uh that came from uh sadly it's bradley who i did want to give a shout out because this is two weeks in a row where he's been the primary source uh behind the stories at hand so uh, great work to Bradley and uh, and and his team, which includes uh, some of the folks from his Discord community. So uh, great work to to the uh, sadly it's Bradley community um, for for you know sniffing all this out. Um, so what we learned last week, right, was we we know that the Steam Deck uses a custom AMD APU called Van Gogh, and uh, we also know that the Steam Deck was codenamed Jupiter when it was in development, and that the Van Gogh APU was codenamed Aerith last week. Uh, we had a report from Pharonix, which is a, a Linux uh, website, who had found that there was a new device codenamed Galileo with a uh, new APU codenamed Sephiroth. Mm -hmm. So obviously you can see the kind of naming convention uh, carrying through through both of those. So, you know, that sets up, we know that this new device is coming. Now this week, we have some updates that may hint to the idea that the the new headset could actually come with some kind of consolized pc more or less some external device that does the computing for the headset right we talked um i believe last week uh when when chris and i were discussing this about how you know um wanting to come out and and compete in the modern vr market you do kind of want People want tetherless headsets, right? But if you want to be able to do the really high-end stuff, like stuff like Half-Life Alex and the stuff that I think Valve's audience is going to tend to gravitate towards, you need that extra computing power. You just do. And by tetherless, you mean a standalone unit like the Quest 2 where the computing is being done on the headset. Because the rumor is that this is going to support full wireless casting. Um, from the the little box, if that is the case, to the VR headset, and I also, I think I think that's worth it's worth noting that you know the Quest Two is the most popular VR headset. Price point was probably a big, really big reason for it. But people do also just like the fact that it's wireless and they can shove it on their face. But the games just aren't quite there. You know, they're not up to par with what you get on PC. You can see that. That's why people still gravitate towards PC VR, and it's a, it's a big thing. And also the expandability of it. You know, you can't do full room scale VR on these uh, on these standalone headsets. 
And it seems like this is pointing towards Valve potentially following the, the same route as the PSVR in that the there's a box in your room, it sits there. Maybe that box could also be a, a Steam Deck. I'd certainly love it if I didn't need to buy a separate unit and I could use the the Steam Deck as the compute unit and have the uh, the deck are connected to the Steam Deck. I think that would be a really um, a good use case of, of using the Steam Deck for that. Um, but it means that the headset can be lighter, doesn't need to have all of the compute power on the headset itself, and it can offload that to an external device. So if it's following the same process that the PSVR does, I kind of feel like this, this makes sense as a strategy. What do you think? Well, I think it depends a lot on what we're actually talking about because, you know, there there is evidence to pointing to the idea that, like, this is that or something a little more than that. And I, I think the reality of it feels kind of murky based on what we know and what we don't know because part of the research um, that came up here, right, was there's uh, back in February. There's a data miner who uh, goes by the name uh, Rasbo, and they discovered um, something that was known as Galileo EV2 in the Steam Deck's mm. firmware, right? So um, the EV standing for engineering validation, which is the, re the stage you reach in design where uh, the product is not yet mass production ready, right? And you know, we've talked a lot about the very, the, the number of different iterations that the Steam Deck went through before it was finalized. We talked last week about the idea that maybe, you know, Galileo or Sephiroth or some of these other, you know, um, like code names that are showing up in this code could relate to like development specific devices and that it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's like a, um, a consumer based product, right? But like, when you get into some of the specifics of, the devices it gets a little more interesting so in that ev galileo ev2 uh description right the device uh is referenced as having a uh proximity sensor and a small circular touchscreen display right both things that are obviously not on the steam deck so that again points to the idea of like something else right then when you get into like uh, some of the context from some of the past reporting that's come up from from Bradley or just from like stuff we've seen around Valve's VR uh, efforts in the past, right? Like you mentioned before, there is mention in the original Deckard, you know, um, research that that Bradley put out that it would support VR link, right? Which is like taking advantage of like a wireless. Mm -hmm um feature like like the quest air right um but basically rather than going through your wi-fi network you're going off of the pc so like that's the first time you have a mention of the deckard being able to be like paired with another device right because like most standard desktop pcs which is what you would assume the vast majority of Valve's user base are using, they don't have wireless chips, right? So like that does kind of point to the idea of there being this other device in the mix, right? And like you you think about like the touchscreen uh, wrinkle of it and it's like, 
or like not even a touch screen, but like the, the circular touch thing that could be a power button on a console, right? Like that's how the, the power button works on like the X, the uh, remodeled Xbox 360 or the first PS4, right? And like, yeah, or the does... Xbox One, the original sure. Xbox One. It's, yeah. you know, it's the Xbox logo. It's just a touch, touch button. So like that does to me feel like it's pointing to like all of that seems to point to the idea that this thing is interacting with another device that is not your PC. Right. And and do you think that's a companion device, though? So do you think there's multiple things in play here whereby there may be the headset that uses a similar chipset that's in the Steam Deck and it can play some games? You know, I'm thinking things like Beat Saber that we've seen on the, the Quest, the other other games that we've seen on the Quest, you know, like that Iron Man title, things like that. Sure. That, that could be played on the Quest. But then for the larger titles, it needs to utilize an external device. And this external device is like a way for you to get there in the same way that that steam machines were kind of posed to take over the living room and, and be a gateway into PC gaming into the living room. Could this box be a gateway into desktop PCs and and like, you know, PC VR rather than it being like a, a truly wireless device? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm leaning because the other thing that I wanted to call out, um, so, and I did want to uh, quickly give a shout out. We, we kind of like got into the meat of the story before I was able to uh, say this, but um, some of the info I'm pulling here comes from uh, an article by David Heaney over at Upload VR. So make sure you go give him a click. We'll have that in the description as well. And one of the things that um, I, I wasn't aware of until I saw this in, um, in David's article is, all the way back in, let me see, it was 2019, right? So Valve was demoing Half-Life Alex to the press in late 2019. And uh, there is what looks like a console, like a, you know, a consoleized PC, if you want to call it that. That's, that's what David calls it. Um, but it looks like a console. And it is in the demo room at Valve headquarters. And the device is also uh, clearly visible in uh, the, the video that Jeff Keighley produced, the final hours of Half-Life Alex behind closed doors at Valve. So, like, this is something that, like, seemingly has been bopping around since the, like, their, their last headset. And, like, I'll show it to the folks uh, on YouTube here if you want to check it out. But, you know, um, and Steve, definitely pull this up and, and take a look on, on your end here. Oh, yeah, it very much looks like the exactly what's included in the pattern, right? You look at the, the pattern that they, they, they had for this. Yeah. It looks identical. I, I, for me, I looked at it, you know, no one would have looked at that twice. We, we'd have just seen it and we go, oh, they, maybe they're still using Steam machines there. Or this is just like a little box that they made or something. But it's clearly got like two USB ports at the bottom or two ports of some kind at the bottom mm -hmm. it looks like there's a a cable coming out the back of it whether that's power or a display port or something because it's because in the larger picture you can see there's a screen to the left um but that could also be the cable that's tethered to the valve index you know there's a single cable that comes sure. off of the index and goes it could go into the back it looks a similar thickness so there's there's a lot of things it could be, but there's also a massive desktop PC sat next to it. So it might be doing nothing. This might be like a you know, just a box that they watch stuff on in their it, in their office. It could be, but it's like you, when you start lining it up with the other information we know, it feels suspect. It feels like yes. too much smoke for there to be no fire, right? Where it's like in that patent, 
that we described, right? That was found by Bradley's team. Uh, it, it, like I showed it to you on YouTube. They, they look identical, right? Like that, that's what it looks like. And that is exactly what the firmware of the Galileo like mentions, right? Like it, like having this circular display and all that stuff, like that's what this, you know, and this could just be a power button on this device, I guess, but it, it certainly looks like what we're talking about. So, you know, I, I don't know, like that seem, it seems like a lot of stuff lining up for it to have no correlation. And the other thing that I think definitely cements the idea that like what we saw last week is a VR uh, announcement, if you're still on the fence about that, is there is another bit of um, evidence uh, in that that came from Bradley's team, uh, which is that they discovered a recently created um, Steam sub is what they call it, which is a collection of games created by Valve, uh, where the first title added was Half-Life Alex, along with many other VR games. On Friday, Valve added even more games, still all VR. And then uh, some context that David added to this, right, was that uh, Valve created a similar sub back when the Index launched, and it was specifically to show recommended games for testing to press and, and uh, testers of the product. So, and then when you look, when you look at that list, most of the games on that list are not games that could be supported by a standalone, uh, headset, like the chips. That oh yeah, absolutely not. No, you know, um, even Half-Life Alex on its own, right. It's not going right, to Fallout 4, Fallout 4 VR is not going to, um, I mean, maybe it could, I, I don't know, but, um, tabletop simulator we've not seen that on a standalone uh vr headset that's only on, on pc subnautica i can't imagine that coming and to a standalone headset one other thing is uh the team um bradley's team also found references to a share screen function that mentions the ability for the steam os device to update a headset's firmware remotely over the local network right which suggests the idea of again the dual architecture right, of there being this, uh, again, they call it a consoleized PC, you want to call it a set-top box, whatever you want to call it, another device that exists to power the headset itself. Um, that Yeah, would... did, did... Go ahead. did you also see um, yesterday that, that Brad tweeted about two new buttons that showed up in um, the, the no, new no, Steam no, I, client I update? So, um, what are you looking at? In the... Yeah, in the latest open VR uh, SDK, um, I'll pop it here for you. Uh, apparently, there are two new buttons referenced: button res reserved zero and button reserved one. They don't have names currently, um, but they sit underneath the index controller buttons currently: index controller A and index controller B, uh, as long with index controller joystick. They're in the same uh, region in the source code. So I would imagine it's uh, two buttons that are related to to VR. They're not used anywhere in in current um, Valve hardware, according to Brad. Huh. Okay. So what do you make of that? Is that new functionality on a, a set of VR? It could be additional, like yeah, it could be additional buttons on a controller, or I it could be buttons um, like the button on on the box. You know, like if that's a new button and it needs to do something because the buttons in here are, are anything like we've got grip buttons, D-pad buttons, 
Yeah. They call the proximity uh, proximity sensor. They count that as a button. The VR touchpad. They count that as a button. Huh. There's any kind of input method here. Fuck? So it's like a new input method then, theoretically. That would be my guess. Yeah. Two, no less. Yeah. What the hell does it that? It could look? be like one on each one on each controller if it's a two controller system. Yeah. It could be new buttons on the box. It could be buttons on the headset itself. Mike, maybe the volume. Mike, rough phone. Well, or it could be like volume buttons. If they're standalone things, you can maybe have like sure. volume buttons on there. There's, or it could be the share. It could be a share button. Maybe they're adding a share button. There's all sorts of things it could be. Another uh, interesting wrinkle to the idea of um, of this requiring some kind of standalone device. This is another thing that David pointed out is like if Valve were going to have a fully standalone headset, they would have to make a separate Steam VR store for that headset because so many of these games through steam just don't work do you think they would bother or do you think i don't think they would i think what they would do would be the same approach they did with the steam deck where you have, have a verified a verified scheme you know index verified or whatever they call the next headset Deckard yeah. verified where they've tested that. them they know these games work you know there's a list of like 50 games in that uh, vr sub that you mentioned I could imagine all of those have gone through a verification process and then they could also allow you to experiment and, and play other games if you wanted to. And I would also imagine that you could probably play normal games like flat games, like games that you would play on your Steam Deck, but just on like a big screen and a VR headset if you wanted yeah. to. And so you'll just be able to download those and play those. At least that's how I would imagine it would work. That, that seems to make sense to me. You know, like yeah, you could do the same thing in in uh, the index at the moment. You know, you could basically just have like a fifty inch screen in front of your face if you want to. Yeah, so like I would imagine that functionality sticks around for sure. Um, so before before we get into, I guess, the case against it, what what do you what do you think about this on its face? Because because I I do have some quotes here from from Gabe that seem to push back on the idea of of this being a thing but like do you think this makes sense in theory this idea of this having like a companion device I think like it does yeah how, I, I, what do you envision it actually being though like is so this i, I a, think is this essentially a, de a set top pc i i think so yeah so i think the headset itself i think is probably going to be what we've expected it to be it's a competitor for the the quest three the impending quest three that's due out later this year i think that's gonna have pretty similar specs to what we've got in the steam deck and they'll utilize the same kind of hardware that they've got and we'll see smaller games because a lot of the games on that list that that um that brad posted are smaller titles you know there are things like um beat saber on there and and synth rider we know those games run on standalone headsets because they're available on the quest job simulator that's available on the quest those titles i can imagine will run fine when it's running in a standalone mode and then i think there's a companion device you think that's that the allows... case though you think it'll have a standalone mode i think so yeah i think they, they want a standalone mode so you can just play it wherever you are and it have like inside out tracking like the index does so you can just get going if you want to and then i think there will be a standalone device that will do two things one it will improve the compute power because it'll be plugged into the wall it can potentially have a beefier gpu or a beefier amd apu which is seemingly what it's going to have and also enable room tracking 
where you can have the the valve index um i think they call them beacons the little trackers that you could put the around the room um so that you can improve the tracking of the device and have room scale tracking and i think those are the two things that that box will so, allow you to do so, t- so talk to me about that though so like this box in in your mind i i i buy the deckard right it comes with this this box that offloads the the computing to this device does that mm-hmm. device then plug into my pc or no is i don't this... think so i think it's a standalone thing and i think you can just use a pc instead if you want to i don't think you need this device you don't see this as mandatory no i don't think so i mean i could be totally wrong but i kind of if this is a vr thing a vr package you know the moment you can buy everything piecemeal you can get the index and the controllers for 689 in the uk but you want to do the whole kit with the beacons yeah uh, with the bait they call them base stations with the base stations that comes in at 900 so what do you what do you think how do you feel like the wireless comes into that though? So it's, it's like you're thinking you can buy it basically modular, where it's like if you want it out of the box and it it's a fully functional experience, you buy that full set at that price point you just said. You get this set top box kind of thing that works as like a modular you know PC similar to the Steam Deck, or what you install a wireless card in your PC and you just use that instead. Yeah, or you continue to use it with a single cable. In the same way that you do with the index card, you think it, and you think it'll support the cable still? Yeah, I think I think so. You know, you're gonna have to charge it anyway, and it's probably gonna be USB C in order to do that. Yeah, and the Quest allows you to plug straight into a PC with a single cable. I I can see that. Why not do that? I can see that being an advantage anyway, right? Because it's like ideally you want to play with no wires, but if you were like in the middle of a session and your headset starts to die and you're like, you want to keep playing, ideally you want to be able to just plug it in and keep rocking. Right? Yeah. So that makes sense to me. Yeah, I think that's a good point. So here's my question though. Like, what do you make of that device that we saw from 2019, right? Like what, like, is, is this something intended for mass market or is this a development tool? Like, is is this thing gonna... Is oh, this you thing mean the thing when when G Man's when G Man's playing on um, Half Life Alex? Yeah, yeah, that the image we looked at that compares to that that patent, right, where it looks like this set top box. It's um, like, how does that, I kind of feel like this, how does that this looks? In? I don't think this is what it's going to look like if it comes out. It looks dated now. Yeah, it looks like a device from that era. It looks, it looks like looks one of like the older models of the Steam Deck. Right? Yeah, like, or, or it looks like yet. a steam machine. It looks like the yeah. the one of the original steam machines, or it looks like an original Xbox One that's like stood on its side, and it's got like glossy plastic, and it you know it also looks a little bit like a VHS where like you know you got that little triangle thing that opens up at the front. I I don't I I don't think it looks like this. I think this was probably for a patent because you look at the patents for. The Deckard, I'd imagine it's not going to look identical to that. You look at the patents, the Steam Deck is not going to look like that. You know, they go through iterations. We saw that yeah. with the Steam Deck, where, where Plagman posted pictures of the, the iterations they went through with the Steam Deck. Um, it could also be that this is nothing, that people file patents all the time and nothing comes to fruition. That's what I'm talking about with like the, the, it being a development tool. Right of like it's something that's not intended for mass market, but then it's like you come back to this thing where like it seems like a core part of the functionality is this wireless transfer, mm-hmm. right? And it's like if that's the case, I can't imagine that this thing goes to market and they're just like, hey, you have to buy a wireless chip for your PC with it, right? Like 
that that you, you like, don't necessarily need to i could see them doing a dongle you know like exactly. here's, here's a dongle that yeah, you, yeah. they sell what i was gonna say is they there needs to be a solution and like it could be a, something yeah. as simple as a dongle but like i i guess there's an argument to be made that like and i guess this is my question to you is like does, does this make sense as a product like do you think this is something people will buy into because like is it is it the type of device that this being an all-in-one solution for VR that lets you, you know, get into the Steam ecosystem, like, does it have the same kind of, like, Pied Piper effect that the Steam Deck does for the Steam Store for folks mm. that are not going to play on PC, where it's like, oh, like, I can buy this and out of it, like, I don't need to buy a PlayStation 5 with it, I don't need to build a PC, I don't need to do X or Y or X or Y, like, you can just get it and have a dedicated VR device that is capable of Whoa. the top end of VR and not having to you know have this overpowered device arguably that does all these other things that you're not looking to do right i don't know well i i can't see that this would be a singular functional device that this is only for vr and only used for vr you know they keep calling it a, a consoleized pc right in the in the article yeah. i think that's 100 percent what it is it'll be a pc in the same way that the steam decks are pc and i can imagine that means I'll be able to run big picture mode on it and I'll be able to boot into to Steam OS on it so and you, I'll be able to play games. So like and is I this could, is is this our Steam machine? Is this the I think is this so. the device you and I have been talking about wanting? Yeah, I think so. And I think when you look at it that way, I think a lot of people would want it. People love their Steam decks and they want something that's always plugged in to the wall. This won't be that much more powerful than a than a Steam Deck, you know. It's using a very similar APU by the sounds of it. But it can run at higher power, probably at a much higher TDP because it's plugged into the wall all the time. The Steam Deck Max is at 15 watts. If you could say run it at 30 watts with better active cooling because there's a, a bigger box for it to be in and it doesn't need to be as quiet because it's not near your face and you can just don't have to worry about battery life because it's always plugged into the wall all the time, then you can run it at higher, higher watts. You can run it at 30 watts. You can run it at 35 watts, 45 watts. Who knows how far they can push that APU? There's probably already a generation, uh, even if it's like a mid-generation ahead of where they were with the Steam Deck. I can imagine you'll probably get games targeting 1080p 30 on it, which I think would be enough for a lot of people. Maybe you'll get some games that run at 1080p 60, but it's got to be able to run things like Half-Life Alex at at least 90 frames per second, because otherwise people will get motion sick. Right. So. If so it's got it's, it's, to be pretty powerful. Yeah. Maybe you could run it. Maybe they maybe they're doing something there. Like it could run it at seventy two hertz. There's, there's some games on the quest that run at seventy two hertz, and that people are fine with that. That seems to be the bare minimum. Maybe they're doing some kind of interpolation. Maybe this is where FSR three's frame generation comes into play. Where if they can get the games to run at sixty, they can basically double the frame rate to one hundred and twenty. Right. And that enables these games to be playable. And that's the reason a device like this is even possible. I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, but I cannot see that they go from a headset that's completely piecemeal at the moment. You know, you can buy the index controllers. They work with an HTC Vive that they don't even sell anymore that you could have bought years and years and years ago. And it was like the precursor to the Valve Index. Right. Or you can buy the, a Valve Index on its own if you just want to use a normal controller. Or you could buy it with controllers. Or you could buy the whole kit. Or you could buy just a single base station. I can't see that they go from a piecemeal solution that they've got now 
to forcing you into buying a box when you've already got a PC or you've already got a Steam Deck. I'd be interested to see if they utilize the Steam Deck in any interesting ways here. I would hope they would because a lot of people have them. And if I don't need to buy a box, if I've already got a Steam Deck and it can connect to that in some way to do some more computing, Maybe. then that would be great. Yeah, I, I wonder, though. I, I, I don't, really I, do. I, yeah, I don't think so. I, I kind of feel like you're going to need the box or you're going to need a PC. Yeah. But I, but I really hope that the box does a lot more and it's that that little PC that we've been looking for to fill living, living room. room yeah, right. That, you know, we can play things like Baldur's Gate 3 and it, I can then cloud save up to steam yeah. cloud and then i can download it and it's ready to go on my steam Deck when i want to go so so talk to me about this right so we, we're thinking it's similar in power to the deck right in terms of raw components but like basically where that extra wiggle room comes from is the fact that you know it's not a handheld device it doesn't have to you know contend with all these other factors right it can just take full advantage of of the chipset and the the processing power that is available um as as if it were like a more standard pc cool so what's that cost then because like is this going to become like a really interesting like option for a budget level entry pc because like you think about it the steam deck not that expensive right like the most expensive you know we'll we'll cut this we'll split the difference right it's about five hundred dollars right and steam. i think it's probably the same price because you can take away things like the trackpad, the buttons, the screens, all of that's taken away. But you've got then better cooling in there. There's probably a chunkier heat sink in there. Copper's yeah. expensive. You know, you're paying for the raw material there. And then the storage, because you're probably going to want more than 64 gigs if you're, if you're going to be, you know, installing these big games on there. But you could just plug in a you can easily allow people to put in a, a normal sized yeah. nvme drive it doesn't have to be one of the 2230 drives it could be one of the bigger ones and you could just have USB-C or even thunderbolt plugs on there maybe it allows for eGPUs. who knows there's a lot of things they could do and i'd really like to see them do i think 500 dollars is probably the price point that they're they're looking to target. I could see that maybe being the base price and it goes up from there. But that's a really good price point for a, an entry-level PC that's focused in, on the living room. I really hope it comes also with a new controller. Don't think it will because they've spoken about letting maybe partnering with third parties to do a, a new Steam yeah, controller. Yeah, and it's like you'd think that we would have seen patents around it at this point, but then it's like we did see that patent with the new button stuff. So and maybe their solution is you use the VR controllers, you know, like as if they're like two Joy-Cons and they've got maybe. all the touch inputs on there anyway. They've got the the track pads and, and the, they've got all the buttons and they've got the the triggers on the on the yeah. sticks, you know, that you can squeeze. Yeah, and then maybe their thought is like use that, and if you want to use, you know, a more "quote unquote" traditional controller, like well, you know, hook up your Xbox controller, hook up a PlayStation yeah, controller. You've probably got one anyway, yeah. right? You probably do. Yeah, it just means that you can't play those PC games that require trackpads, you know, and that's the right. problem that we've got at the moment but is like, that there's no real solution for that if you plug into the TV. Theoretically, though, right? Like, I you're in the same situation, right? Like, if if you're plugging a PC into your into your TV and you want to use it across the room, you use a wireless bluetooth mouse or whatever right like there are solutions available and they're, they're just not presented by valve because they're standard control options you know valve doesn't need to make a custom pc and uh i didn't mean pc uh keyboard and mouse set 
because you want to use one, you know, in your living room. Yeah. Doesn't really make sense. Yeah. No, but, it, you know, it would be really nice because I like the Steam controller. I just think it needs a modern version. And I think it could be really great. Those trackpads are so good. I use they've, them all the time. And gyro is phenomenal. They've learned, right? Like the original Steam controller was bad. Like I, we don't need to mince words. Um, there's a reason they were selling them for like a dollar at one point. But like the the deck, like I'm with you. Like the, the trackpads on the deck are awesome. Like the the system of, of uh, the control scheme of the deck is awesome. I think if you could just do basically the opposite of what PlayStation did with the uh, project q where i just you just pull the screen out and just give me the same form factor like and you know smaller like that would be great you know like ergonomically and everything i'm super happy with how it feels in my hands if i could just have one that was like this big instead yeah it would be <laughs> that great would, that'd be great yeah, just right? be like, the reverse of what sony did where they put a screen in between yeah that's what i'm saying just pull it out just take the screen out and shove them together that's what i need and they could call it the valve portal the portal to your living room sure do it do it you know I mean, what they should call it the portal they should call this new device the portal with the big circle on it and it should glow blue or orange <laughs> and it shouldn't be a full set it should be like a little oval shape they should name it glados so that nobody will buy it yeah <laughs> imagine if they launch portal 3 with this and that's their their like way of doing it and it's their like, killer app because the killer app, the, remember the initial launch yeah, of Steam, Steam Deck was the um, oh, the right. Aperture Aperture Lab. Yeah. Um. So uh, Aperture Desk Job. So I could imagine they'll do something. They could do something similar with with um the the Deckard or whatever this ends up being called. So okay. So before before we get into letting Big Papa Gabe poo poo this idea, you you're saying around five hundred dollars. Does that make sense? Well, like, does that say 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 it's say it's somewhere in that ballpark, right? Do, yeah. do you do you think that this is a viable product? Like, do, does is this something that does have that ability to like bring people into the ecosystem and and be a device like the Steam Deck, or like is it too niche? Like, is is like at a five hundred dollar price point, like you know, you made the point that like maybe there will be some games you can get ten eighty sixty, like, but like. Are you really going to buy this thing for $500 if that's the performance ceiling on it versus, you know, any of the other devices mm. you could pick? Like, that's halfway towards a much better gaming PC if you really want a gaming PC. And if you don't want a gaming PC, right, if what you want is, you know, a effectively a, a PC in your living room, right? Like, yeah, I mean, like, sure, I, there there is a specific person that wants that and that, that, that this is for. We've talked about that. I, I I definitely think a market for this product exists, but I wonder what the price point and the specs have to be for it to actually be attractive. Because, like, if it's not on par performance-wise with something like, say, the PlayStation 5 or the Xbox Series X, why would you buy it for $500 instead of those? You know, and, like, you could argue that this is not a device that is, like, that mass market that like the steam deck it's going to speak to a specific group of people and that's all it needs to do and like valve's happy with that and yada yada maybe that's the case but i wonder like i wonder how much the like what the performance ultimately is impacts that's the big question whether right? or not this is actually a product anybody wants yeah because if the performance is much better than we're thinking and it is on par with say a ps5 it could be exactly the same price point as a PSVR 2 plus a PS5 in order to get into a, a superior VR system, right? 
PC and a, and VR. A really, and a really good ecosystem, right? Like yeah. getting into the Steam ecosystem, but not having to build a gaming PC, I think it's really attractive if, if you can do it in a way that is that has big picture mode uh, front and center in the way they have with the Steam Deck. The Steam Deck, I think, demystifies PC gaming in a huge way. And if they oh, could yeah. do that with yeah. a, uh, what is effectively a home console, I think that could be a really huge win for them, you know? And, and, and maybe huge win by Valve's metric of success, right? In the way that the Steam Deck was a huge win for them. It doesn't necessarily need to compete numbers-wise mm-hmm. with those other devices. But if you're asking me to shell out $500, I want this to be a, a device I can make an argument for in my arsenal. I can make an argument for the Steam Deck because it's portable. It does all this stuff. Like It offers so much. It brings so much to the table. If I'm talking about a device that's going to compete with my PlayStation or my Xbox, I need it to be have parity with those devices in terms of performance. I don't know that I don't know that it can have parity. I mean, it's it's possible, but I feel like relative parity anyway. Those consoles are sold at a loss, and I mean, at least the Series X's. Phil Spencer's confirmed that. So I I don't know if Valve are willing to sell the device at a massive loss. I mean, if they can get this I mean, how down, much of a loss do we sell? The, does the Steam Deck sell at? Do we know? We don't. I don't think. But I don't necessarily know that it does sell at a loss. You don't think so? I th- no, I I don't think so. I, I could see them breaking even. Maybe it's economies of scale that they sold so many now that it doesn't sell at a loss. I feel like I feel like there's such an argument to be made though, like with what we talked about, where like if you buy this device, like you're gonna buy Steam games, and like that's the that's maybe, the trade. Maybe that's why that you sell consoles at a yeah. at a loss, right? You sell your PlayStation or your Xbox at a loss because then they buy all their games from you. And I mean, it's possible. Maybe they go for three ninety nine or three forty nine, and they and they target that price point instead. Like and they get that. really aggressive with it. Imagine it's like four hundred dollars instead of five hundred dollars. I mean, that's on, on par with like a say it's like Series S level pricing, right? Yeah. That's like three hundred, four hundred. But imagine it, it's got power that's maybe a little bit closer to the X or the five. Like I think then that becomes a really interesting, attractive device of like, oh, I can get into the Steam ecosystem. It's four hundred dollars. And it's like as it's it's basically it can be the third console in your arsenal, right? Or or whatever, right? Second, that could be maybe you buy that instead of an Xbox and you play your your Xbox. Uh, yeah, games I mean there. that's a good like, reason. You could that's do a good that. reason, yeah. You know, it's, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I, there are so many, especially if it supports like eGPUs, so you can like, upgrade it in the future, and you're not yeah. like, bound by what's on the the integrated GPU on the on the APU. So you I give I, yourself I like a pro refresh in every couple of yeah. years if you want, just throw a new GPU in there, right? Like I'd really like that, and I do think that yes, this is going to be a niche device. But I think if they can show that there's multi-use case for it, that this is a great entry into a really good ecosystem, not just for PC games but also for VR. They've got the best VR games that aren't available anywhere else. You know, Half-Life Alex is arguably the best VR game. I would imagine they're working on new stuff to come out. They're probably making an Alex too, right? Device. You know, you've got to be right. You yeah. got to imagine. Um, so, so they're the best place to be for VR, and I think VR enthusiasts know that that PC VR is the best place to be. And if they can have like a standalone, like all-in-one solution, where you can maybe upgrade as you go, right? Oh, I'm going to start with the base headset. That'll work fine for me because I'm only going to play Beat Saber and maybe a couple of other things. And then I want to upgrade and I'm going to now get 
the little device for the living room. They become like little gateway uh, entries for you. I also think that a lot of people bought a Steam Deck thinking that, oh, it's cool, I'll play a couple of games, you know, and and then they got sucked in. I was one of them, right? You were one of them. We never really played PC games before, and we ended up using this device so much that we started a podcast about it. And I think that people that bought the Steam Deck are looking for a better solution to play in the living room than the docked solution offers them at the moment because the docked solution sucks on the Steam Deck, quite frankly, and they do really need to spend some time to fix it. But if all of it seems to be coming together, that if SteamOS 3.5 has maybe been delayed so that this can come out and we've got FSR 3 in the pipeline and there's the potential that it's a standalone thing that might also work with the Steam Deck, that might also have a a little PC component that you could put in the living room. All of that starts to make sense as this is like a, an ecosystem of hardware that Valve is creating and the Steam Deck was just one component of that and we're now seeing the rest of it. Yeah, and I do hope that's what we're seeing. You know, like you and I have talked a lot about about that and about how, you know, Valve has kind of struggled in the hardware space over the last yeah. couple decades and like with the steam deck there is just such a i just feel like they're firing on all cylinders right they're on such a different level of competence than they were when they tried to partner with folks in the past to do the steam machines and there's all these skews and it's confusing and it's it's not it's not the the clarity of vision that you have with the steam deck where the steam I deck think is they learned immediately yeah yeah I totally agree with you. I think they learned they learned all the right lessons from the failures they made in in the 2010s and I think seeing how successful the Steam Deck has been and and how strong their vision has been for the Steam Deck and how that in, influences big picture mode which is going to play into the the you know SteamOS 3.5 release that's going to open up all these other devices to take advantage of um you know of, of SteamOS and like something that I, I didn't even really think about until uh now is like you know back then with this with the steam machines and everything like proton didn't exist you know like like you didn't have well they they created proton for the steam machine that was their reason but it wasn't there at launch right like that was something that came no, out. No, I, th I think so. I think they they, but it was had very minor support. Okay. And they they started initially trying to make Linux versions of all their games, and then worked um, with uh, God, I can't remember the Code Weavers. I think it is, um, who were the creators of uh, a piece of software that let you run PC games on a Mac and also on Linux. Then they worked with them and uh, created the first version of Proton, and I've continued to work on it as an open source project ever since then. And then, like, look at how far it's come, right? So, like, I think the idea of Valve now, like, from everything they've learned, re-entering the hardware space and being like, yeah, no, we have two dedicated devices, and maybe there's a skew where there's, you know, different versions and whatever, but it's so much easier. Like, the Steam Deck is an immediately understandable device and for you to go in and be like, which model do you want? And there's three models and, and the breakdown is very simple. Like, I really, really think that could work now. I think they could release a Steam machine now. We did a whole episode about it, right? Where it, it could fill that same niche that the, that the Steam Deck has, where it speaks to a user that wants to have more ways to interact with the Steam ecosystem 
and not limit the Steam ecosystem to a specific type of quote unquote like PC gamer, right? Like the person that wants to build and maintain a rig because there are a lot of people that want to play PC games or would like the option to play PC games that are just not interested in doing that. And it doesn't, it only hurts Valve to not have plays to market to those people and to expose new markets to the insane value that is provided by their their storefront you know whether that's discoverability of new games or or like deep discounts of of games right like having a steam library is awesome and it's like it's a library that grows with you and like if you decide you want to get into proper pc and you want to build a pc guess what that steam library that you started building on deck or that you started building on the deckard and you know whatever we call this thing that comes with you and it, and it can be just another skew in your arsenal right and when you do want to sit down and relax at your tv you've got your steam box when you are on the road or when you're visiting your parents or you're sitting up in your bed at night or your partner's using the tv you've got your steam deck and when you want to go you know all out buck wild you want to use your ultra wide monitor 100 you know 200 frames per second right like that's when you go and sit on your desktop like they should they should be committed to that vision because that's the that's the version where steam exists wherever you are and that's that's their path forward to growing their audience more and like getting more people uh to have the loyalty to the steam brand the way that they do to any of the other stuff that they're using you know the way the pc yeah. gamers do i think then after that the next steps are streaming a subscription service and they go all out as a whole platform rather than just yeah. being a storefront they become I, a platform i think that's the move because the storefront is already strong like the ecosystem is strong all you have to do is start adding functionality to it and because think about oh, it. oh yeah and you've got to imagine they hate being tied to microsoft's platform it's one it's that's, a big that's gotta be why Linux, that's why yeah. steam os is going mass market like that for sure right like they want to get out from under their thumb yeah because you've got to pay the, you've got to build a pc you got to buy a microsoft license a windows license and they're stuck on that ecosystem using all of microsoft's tool chain direct x direct storage all of that stuff it's the reason proton exists is so that they don't have to be stuck at microsoft's whim right and this only and, uh, and, that, and that, this little, right? yeah this little box enables them to be like hey you don't even need to have a pc you don't even need to buy a pc it could be like you just buy this box you put it in the living room and you've got all of your steam games that you were playing on your deck and you can just carry on and play them in your living room mm -hmm. oh and i i think like with how far big picture mode has come it's easier than ever to be like this isn't a pc even if it is even if it has because no, it would i would imagine it boots into the game mode in the same way that the, way the steam, steam deck, deck does is. and then you can go into desktop mode if you want to i would like to see them have an option if they do a box like this where i can choose which mode i want it to be when it boots by default do i want it to be a desktop because i can imagine a use case where people just like i'm going to put this on my desk and i'm going to do general pc things on it as well as gaming but I want it on a desk because I'm going to use like a steering wheel or a flight stick or something like that. And I'm going to have it plugged into a monitor. And that's where I like to be. Or I'm playing games that play better with a keyboard and a mouse, like a real time strategy game. And they want it on a desk. And a, the desktop mode makes more sense there. 
Yeah, I wonder what the size of this thing is going to be too. Because that it looked pretty be, small in the picture. It looks pretty small, and that's interesting because like I could see that being a, an advantage of it too. Of like you know, like yeah, like your Steam Deck is portable or whatever, right? But it's like if you are trying to play certain kinds of games, like the Steam Deck doesn't really. The Steam Deck is effectively a console, right? Like yes, yeah. it's a handheld PC, but I don't think it's great for playing like quote unquote like. Like PC ass PC games, right? Like I wouldn't play League of Legends on that thing. I wouldn't play an RTS on that thing competitively. Um, whereas like I could see that being a situation where you're like, yeah, like, you know, I'm I'm going to visit my parents for a week, right? I'm flying across the country, I'm gonna go visit my parents or something like that. Or I'm, you know, I'm I'm on I'm on the road, whatever. And you want to be able to bring your PC with you and and have your PC library because that's where you play games. And like maybe you buy one of those little portable monitors that are like so hot on TikTok right now that weigh like three pounds and you have a portable monitor and this tiny steam box and you can throw that in a backpack and it works as well as a PC, you know, with, you know, with, you know, whatever limitations uh, and concessions you're going to understand it has, right? It's probably not a replacement for your $2,000 rig, but. There's an in-between. Depends how old your $2,000 rig is, right? Like, it sure. could be. Sure. Um, yeah, good point. It looks like a similar size to, like, a Series S, but a little bit thicker. Yeah. Maybe, like, an, maybe like an, an Xbox 360, you know, that last version. Yeah. Similar to that Which, size. like, you can see that easily getting, you know, you throw, yeah. that, in, you throw that in a bag and it's ready to and roll. I, I mean, I wonder if if this comes out and it's got, like, a big power brick. Do you remember the original 360 with that? Yeah, dude. A power brick that was like on the side. I yeah, dude. Uh, I could see that. One time, um, I was going I was going to a friend's house, and uh, I was packing up my my Xbox, and uh, and I was like going to get the power supply, and I dropped it on my foot, and oh. I, dude, I had the biggest blackest bruise in like the center of my foot for like the whole summer. Break a bone. I that know. Thing is heavy. It was a deep bruise. <laughs> like no joke i was like oh my god this thing's a weapon <laughs> all right so i we we've we've are we've made the argument for why this thing makes sense and why we think it's going to be a cool device and why we want one so i'm gonna let i'm gonna let big papa gabe now uh shit in your cornflakes uh but before we do that let me remind you that this episode of the steam deck podcast is brought to you by our patreon producers for the month of september they are, of course, Arnold J. Rimmer, Christopher Valenz, Earth Visitor, Gabriel Hasselmeyer, a.k.a. Sobe, Snackago, Tie the Dude, and Wakahula. Thank you all so much for your support over on Patreon.com slash Games. You're all the realest of the real, and we greatly appreciate your support of this and all of our sister shows. Remember, if you want to go check out some of the cool content we're doing on those shows, if you want to write into the show, just like folks do for the Steam Docket, where you can get your questions answered on the air, uh, or if you want to go and show your support over on the Patreon, you want to get the show early, you want to help us keep these mics and lights hot, you can do all that and much more by heading over to flipscreen.games. That's our website where you will find links to all the places we are all over the web and all the ways that you can get involved in the community or support the show. However you choose to get involved or show your support. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Steam Deck Podcast. All right, Steve, you ready? You ready to get bummed out? Sure. Because here's so, the thing. So, Gabe Newell, Gabe, he's, Gabe he's not sold it. on the idea. He's not sold, you know? So back in, and here, I'm going to I'm gonna throw some quotes at you, and I want you to react to them, okay? Okay. So since 2017, Gabe Newell asked 
about VR many times. He's been interviewed about VR several times. There's some choice quotes I've pulled here uh, that, you know, they paint a picture that maybe that maybe contradicts what we've been talking about. Uh, so he said in an interview in 2017, if you took the existing VR systems and made them 80% cheaper, there's still not a huge market. We actually think that if anything, most of the interesting stuff is going to be happen, happening on the high end. That, um, that we're actually resolution constrained, we're CPU constrained, we're GPU constrained. That's where the interesting stuff is going to happen, not on the low end of the market. Once you've got it, once you've got something and you can say, okay, this is the thing that causes millions of people to be excited about it, then you can start worrying about cost reducing. So, okay. So we're, we're painting a picture, I th- I right? I think a lot's come on from 2017, though. Sure. Like, I think he's probably talking in response to why does the Valve Index cost $1,000 plus a, at least a $2,000 PC, right? Sure. You need a, you need a 1060, a, G, a GTX 1060 in order to be able to play Half-Life Alex at a minimum. So, I mean, yeah, maybe now is the time. They got Half-Life Alex, and maybe now is the time. You're making a good argument. So now here we go, though, Steve. 2022. We have a more recent quote. He's being interviewed uh, by One Edge magazine. And he said that the, uh, this is what he said. One of the things that the Steam Deck represents is battery-capable, high-performance horsepower that eventually you could use in VR applications as well. You can take the PC and build something that is much more transportable. We're not really there yet, but this is a stepping stone. Okay. So, who knows, right? Does that mean does that mean he's talking about wanting to have a tetherless VR headset or is is that the long-term goal, right? Is him saying we're not there yet, but this is a stepping stone, could this device that we're describing also be a stepping stone? It could be. It could be that you know, the the thing we've been talking about and maybe this is a compromise with like the 50/50 of you could play some games on on just the headset right but then we do need a little bit of extra power as an assist and you you think about it a dedicated box obviously a lot easier to transport with you than your desktop pc yeah yeah 100 percent. especially if by default it automatically connects and i don't necessarily even need a screen a mouse a keyboard i'm just bringing the box and they're paired and they're connected and then maybe is that little touch screen on there that they patented, the little circle touch screen so that, that shows me some information and I can do things, right? And then I don't need the whole the whole thing. Right. Um, or I don't need a gaming laptop that costs two thousand dollars or more, right? Because that's the thing, is if you want a gaming laptop that can actually run some of the high end stuff, it's gonna be even more money than your two thousand dollar desktop that you invested yeah. in. So that's that's something. Then later uh, that same month, um, so this was in February 2022 originally, right? So it's the end of February. And he says, uh, he's talking about the idea of a quote-unquote tetherless integrated VR solution uh, with Eurogamer. And he says, you know, all these things relate to each other, right? A lot of the technology that we might be using and future versions of that comes, you know, from technology... And I'm sorry, it's always weird when you're like reading a quote that somebody was speaking. I'm sorry if I'm messing up his natural voice cadence. Um, A lot of the technology that we might be using and future versions of that comes, you know, from technology 
that we have to develop for VR. And then if you flip it around and you look at that as like a highly performant mobile PC gaming device, you sort of say, well, why can't I have that in a tetherless integrated VR solution? So again, and that's what this sounds like a tetherless integrated VR solution. I don't have a cable, so it's not tethered and it's, it's integrated it's to integrated. that. Right. But it's like a whole thing. Yeah. It's like theoretically. I don't know. It's like, it's like you read this and you're like, okay, so it sounds like they're very obsessed of the idea of like a all-in-one device. But like when you start describing like this device as we've discussed it, it doesn't technically preclude you from that. It is tetherless. No. And the idea that you have to bring a small box with you is a hell of a step forward yeah, compared to every other solution that. we've got. Most people aren't taking their headsets out of their space where they play them. They just don't want to be tied down with a cable because you hit the cable or you feel it tugging and it takes you out of the immersion and it's horrible. Or you trip and, over it or something, you knock something yeah. over, right? Like yeah. I've seen some people have like pulley systems in their VR space where the cable goes up onto the ceiling over a pulley so they can move around and not have to feel the thing and not have to trip over it. And these cables have got to be stupidly long in order to do that and it's expensive. A tetherless solution is the way to go. If this box, whether it's a standalone box or a companion box that goes with a PC that enables this wireless connection, that's that's the that is a hundred percent what he's talking about. So it's no, like so, a fully integrated solution. So now let me let me play devil's advocate here for a second, Steve, because just what two weeks ago, maybe I feel like it was on the uh, Flip Screen Games podcast, and we talked. We had Chris on uh, over there to talk about uh, PlayStation's Project Portal, right? The device formerly known as Project Q. And we yeah. talked a lot about some of the challenges associated with the uh, Wi-Fi and its impact on on streaming and the ability to uh, reliably have a high quality performance on a device that is transmitting signals through Wi-Fi wireless. This is this Why is a is direct this connection. Why direct is connection. It's not going over the router in your house like the PlayStation Portal does where it needs an internet connection. It's just a direct connection that is, I'm connecting the, the portal, or not the portal, the Deckard to this little box in, in the room. Um, and, and that to me seems like the reason why it would be um, less of an issue. So, and, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, if, if, if this still tracks, I'd, I'd like you to explain it for me, but I have this, quote here right that says uh and this is this is from the um <clears throat> the the david uh henley article uh over at um upload vr right and he's talking about specifically uh the research that sadly it's bradley uh and his team had done right and he says the original findings suggested the headset would support a vr link wireless feature similar to quests air uh, Airlink, excuse me, but where the PC creates a wireless hotspot instead of going through your local Wi-Fi network. So what you're saying is that with that, with like Project Portal, as we discussed, or with with um, Quest's Airlink, these devices are reliant on a Wi-Fi connection and strong internet because they're going through your route. Yeah. Whereas with the, the, this, the Quest, for example, requires or recommends a Wi-Fi six router. Right. Whereas this is 
operating in the same way that like if you were to make your phone a wireless hotspot where it's, yeah, the device yeah. is specifically creating this one-to-one connection wirelessly but with one device and not with a router correct correct yeah cool yeah so you don't have like both connections going to the router and then saying where do i need to go right. and and potentially some packets being lost and some data being lost in the transfer you've got a direct connection where the device says the headset says I want to connect to the box and the box says, okay. And the two of them are then just communicating directly with one another. So, and again, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds to me then, right? This is happening completely offline. This is more similar to the technology that we would, that we would associate with like the Nintendo DS and the way that you could have <laughs> yeah. a wireless connection as long as you're in the same room, even if you're offline, right? Cause it's, it's local, uh, local wireless connection. That's right. Yeah. So it's, Pretty similar to the technology Apple uses for AirDrop. Um, I don't know okay. if you've ever used ever used that I, where you can I'm send not, files. I'm not, but I know, I know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you find a phone nearby and it kind of sends the file. That uses a combination of Bluetooth and Wi-Fi to send the file. This seems like it will be Wi-Fi, creates a hotspot, and the headset connects to that hotspot. Um, so it's, it's similar to that. It's like a direct connection. Uh, a lot of cameras also do it where you can like if you've got like a, dig- a big digital camera and you want to look at the photos that are on the camera or download the photos, the camera will create a wireless hotspot. You can connect your phone to that, use the app and download the pictures from it. And it acts as like a, a Wi-Fi server that's basically serving up the photos. So do you have any concerns about how because like I feel like when it comes to this kind of functionality with like a traditional video game. Um, I feel like less apprehensive about it because I feel like the idea that like if you're playing a game like through the cloud or like over some kind of connection like that, if you have like say frame drops or if you're having like dips in quality or something like that, I feel like as a player, you have a certain amount of expectation that you're going to have some degradation in quality um, because of the way that you're interacting with it. With this being the the at least maybe the primary intention, right, being to uh, be a companion piece for VR. Is that a concern at all? Because obviously, when it comes to VR, any level of degradation is so much more uh, destructive. Oh, very apparent, yeah. To the can, experience, it. right? Because not not only frame like, drops, especially, make you feel right. sick. Yeah, like, so like not not and not even for like the simple concept, like we discussed, of breaking immersion, which obviously you don't want to do, but literally to the point where it could make you ill. And be like, I don't even want to engage with this anymore, right? I don't think it'll be that big of an issue. We've seen Oculus be able to achieve this with AirLink over a router. You do get some image quality degradation, but they're able to maintain the uh, the frame rate or the refresh rate. They're able to can maintain the latency with the the kind of the the controllers because the tracking is done on the headset itself. So it's doing the inside out tracking on the headset. So I don't think that ne- that is necessarily an, an issue. I, I do think you'll always get people who want to plug in for the very best. It's the reason the Index is popular with PC players, because it's one of the headsets that has a Zero display port. It, and it's, you can just plug it in, and it basically acts as a screen. It, it's just a, a display port cable or an HDMI cable that plugs into your graphics card on your computer versus something like the Quest 2, where it uses USB-C and then needs a piece of software and it's doing some software encoding to then send it through a cable to the Quest 2. 
Um, so there may be some image degradation here. It's, it's hard to say, though. They may have cracked it. They may have solved the problem. And I have a lot of faith in Valve. They've put a lot of research in and a lot of development into VR. They've, they did the same thing with, with Proton, with SteamOS, with the Steam Deck. And Gabe seems really committed to VR. He seems to be a real fan of VR. And I think if anyone can do it, it's probably them. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, I'd have said Oculus, but Meta got distracted well, yeah. with the Metaverse and going off and trying to make this a unit for well, everyone I and targeting the low end. And I don't think that they care about it anymore. I think I think the point that you made there is a really salient one because I think we've talked a lot about VR uh, over the last year. And I, and I think as folks that are not huge VR enthusiasts, right? Like you've, you've got a headset and everything like you've engaged with VR. I, I was an early adopter back in the day. Um, I think there's an, a, a definitely like a barrier of entry issue with VR at like pretty much every level. But I think like, the the quote from Gabe about how the most interesting stuff happens on the the top end and that like we haven't actually really proved that there's a consumer demand for VR from more than a, a pretty niche number of people i think is a really relevant point when you talk about where VR goes from here and i think i agree with you that Valve is kind of uniquely poised to actually be the company that gets it right because of the way that they're structured that like they're a big enough company to actually have the research and development required to make something of that quality and like make something that you know um can 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 make it to a mass market like that but they're also a flat company that it, it encourages these very off the wall mm -hmm. creative ideas and they're not super profit motivated like obviously they're a company the they need thing. to make money they're not, and... they're not too big that they've got to be like playstation for example where if we don't sell x million number of these things then it's seen as a failure and we probably lose interest and like maybe we hear about the psvr2 tomorrow at the state of play who knows yeah but probably but not probably not they've given up on that thing they they released it and they left it to die and that is some really impressive hardware and it's really and, sad but but again right like it, it what you're saying like i don't i don't think sony's wrong to do that either though right like i think for their business and how big they are like it it would be fiscally irresponsible for them to double down on a product that doesn't have as much interest as they thought it did and it's like yeah they have egg on their face and it's like you know you we as players lament the idea that this device has been set out to die but it's like what are they going to do continue to invest the same amount of time and resources into something that doesn't have a, a market share as their I mean, console maybe, that's... maybe do what google did and give people refunds on like you know everything on stadia it's like if you're not going to support this thing going forwards yeah you've sold someone a device that's, that costs like 550 dollars Re remove that from the conversation you're talking about ethics i'm not talking about business ethics like what they should or shouldn't do that's right or like that's not relevant to the purview of this conversation um not that i disagree with you i, I think you're correct as a person um my point is more that for valve they can be a company that can make something that's experimental because the metric for success for them is so different like it doesn't need to sell a certain amount. It doesn't need to do X or Y. If it comes out and it flops, they'll move on from it because that's just like what they do. You know, like 
for PlayStation, like they have a board they have to answer to of like, why did you put out this product that failed? You know, or like they they can't go and give refunds to people because then they're going to have to explain to their board why they invested all this time and money into a product that didn't return. And then they had to have a big public apology and give a bunch of like, that's just not a thing that PlayStation is ever going to do. And, you know, like criticize them all you want. A company of that size cannot operate that way. Like it just, it just doesn't right. Once you're a publicly traded corporation like that, the, the rules for how you operate and like what's viable versus non-viable, they change. And, you know, we can talk about, the ethics and and the, the like how gross that is till we're long in the face it's not going to change the the market reality of when you're a, a major company like that your products need to hit a certain level metric of success or they are a failure it's not whether or not they're looked at as a failure it did fail it didn't sell as much as they thought it was going to they had projected targets for what it needed to make to be viable and it didn't hit them mm-hmm. so what happens now right it's like do you double down on something that's busted and you know so you can say they could face. potentially fix it if they reduce the price if they I, get I in mean, there with additional like game support that's, that's i don't the know thing, though, steve is like you say that right and like maybe you're right but take it back to to gabe's comment in 2017 it's a salient point and it's something that i agree with i think even if you cut the the price of psvr two in half does that mean people run out and buy it? No, because why would they? VR is not mainstream like that. It is not appealing to the average player in the way that it needs to be yeah. uh, for it to be a mass market product, period. And, you know, I think you're right that the argument to be made for why that isn't the case is because at the end of the day, the experiences to be had there are not rewarding or attractive enough to the vast majority of players to justify investing the money. But I think even more than that, it's the time. Because I'll tell you for me, it's anecdotal, but me personally, right? The reason I got out of VR, I sold my headset and I was like, I'm never going to buy another VR headset, or at least I'm not going to buy one at any time in, in you know the next several gaming uh, generations is because forget money, right? I had expendable income. I bought the VR set. I owned it at that point. What I don't have what is not expendable is time and i have not played a single game in vr that is as good as a quote-unquote regular video game and that's the bottom line i totally agree with gabe is uh, you could give me a vr headset for free i wouldn't use it because i don't want to play any of the games there because they're not that fun and maybe that's a controversial opinion but i think the fact that the market there's not a single headset that is entertained a, a significant sized user base proves my point that like or proves Gabe's point right is that like I think there is a desire problem with VR uh so much more than any of these other things and like to take it back to the PlayStation bit of it right like for Sony to decide that they're going to double down on this thing and commit to it they need to invest millions more in marketing the thing they need to give it time at every state of play and every PlayStation presentation they need to put you know, uh, however, and we know, right? It costs $200 million to develop one of their AAA games, right? I don't know what the costs on that are for VR. Say it's the same. Say it's a little bit cheaper. I don't know. Let's say it's half. Let's say it costs 100000 The th- thing is, though, like how many copies have you got to sell in order to reach that profit point versus how many pe- how many people have you even got to sell to exactly. with the VR headset? Exactly. So you're they telling me that for them to make this product viable, 
They need to continue to throw money in a pit in hopes that it becomes viable. It's not even a guarantee that people will pick it up because I think to Gabe's point, there's just not that excitement for the market. And I think with Valve, they can get away with that because the Steam Deck sold a million units and we're like, wow, what a huge success. Like, that's huge. They could probably sell a million units. They could probably sell two million units, right? Like, that's that's believable. And I think if your theory is correct and that this, you know, companion set-top box, consoleized PC, whatever we're calling this thing that comes with it uh, or that exists as an option to come with it, if that device is effectively a steam machine as you've suggested that makes the the prospect of releasing this vr headset even less risky because even if the vr headset doesn't light the world on fire and they prove that the market for vr has moved on and, and whatever whatever well you have this other product that could be a success independent of the vr device and that works as part of your existing ecosystem well and, and plus the you've already, that you've been courting for the last year you're replacing the index which has already been a a, a good product for success. you a profitable profit product for you success you're just replacing that with something new it's another reason for people to buy another headset you've not only got new people to sell to you've got people who are already interested in vr who have already bought into your ecosystem and want to continue to be there you know, there's t there's huge sections of the VR space that are only on PC and aren't available on on console. Things like VR Chat, for example, that's never going to come to PlayStation. I don't see them ever allowing that onto the onto their platform. No, you can play that on PC, and that's where people want to be. That's social VR, and if I can do that without having to have a big PC and be tethered down, and I can move around my room and do what I want with this tiny little box that's in the room then that seems like a really great solution. And I don't know, I, I think if you can buy the whole thing for a grand, it's like $1,000 for the, the headset, the box, the controllers, a couple of the base stations, seems like a pretty reasonable price. You've got a little PC in your living room and you've got a, a headset that's seemingly going to be pretty high specced. Yeah, I, th I think it, I think it sounds like, an attractive package and i think it's it's one of the few plays for vr in the last couple of years that i think really makes sense to me because it's still focused on the only market that seems to actually give a flying fuck about vr and that's pc gamers mm -hmm. i don't you know like I, I feel like the quest has not proven that there is a mass market non-gamer audience for vr and the psvr2 has shown that i think like that the interest in vr from like the casual market has, is waning. And like, I think if anyone can come out and double down on it and do something that is new and fresh and accessible, I think it is Valve. And I think they have the best chance for success and the best chance to actually stick around and make another headset. Because I, I wouldn't be surprised if you get to a point in a couple of years where Quest doesn't exist because it's not profitable enough for Facebook anymore and they just don't want to do, deal with it and they spin it off or they, or they liquidate it or whatever, right? And I, I don't, think we'll see a psvr3 you know um i just don't it doesn't make sense no i i agree with you i mean the quest has been a success in terms of sales of the headsets i mean they sold 20 million of them that's not an inconsiderate amount no that's and, good uh, that's the that's, problem that's is a good though, install base for sure it, it's how many people are coming back how many people are buying games how many people are continuing to use these devices and I don't know that many people are because there's not enough 
software there to grab people. You know, even on the PC, right? We had Half-Life Alex, but when's the where's the next one? Where's the next Half-Life Alex? That was meant to be the start of like a a VR renaissance, and we never really saw nope. anything else. You know, and I and I mean, you know what, man? This is and and you know we're circling the drain on this at this point, so we'll <laughs> wrap it up here after this. But uh, if you have a final point, you can you can put the period on it. Um, I think that comes back to the point I was just making about PlayStation, where like. For VR to grow, VR games need to advance. And for VR games to advance and become actual must-play experiences that can stand toe-to-toe in a Game of the Year discussion with an Elden Ring or, uh, you know, a, a Baldur's Gate or a Zelda or, or Starfield or something like that, like, game, like, they have to be on that level, and they're just not. And for them to get there... We need to have companies that are willing to invest a ton of money, not only in the R&D of the hardware, but of the software and of the development. And the reality of that is it's not it's non-viable. If you don't have if you're not in a company that's owned by Quest or you don't have an angel investor, it makes no sense for you to release a VR game as a commercial product because you will spend the same amount of time and effort, if not more that you would developing a traditional game and you'll have, you know, a, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the amount of players that you can sell it to. And during a recession, during a time where game development is only getting more expensive, like I just, why would you bet the future of your studio or of your career on a VR game? If not strictly for the love of the game or because you have a, a huge budget to play with, because you know Zuck is cashing your checks. Hey, it's not Zuck these days. It's Bite Dance. You know, Pico is where it's at apparently. Sure. And you know, when the TikTok company has money to spend and they're checking it in VR, there's got the summer's going to come out at some point. Maybe we'll see. Maybe, but but again, it's like it. it I think I think it's it's something that like you've got to be willing to make that massive investment into and. We've talked about a lot about why big companies are risk averse and like VR is inherently risky. And it's something that you need to be like PlayStation was back with PSVR one, where I remember Shuhei Yoshida was going around saying, we look at this the same way we looked at PS one. Like we're getting in on a market. We're going to be here for decades and like, it's going to take time and we're building a market. Like that's how you got to look at it. And you got to be comfortable with the idea that you're not going to make money or that you're going to have these challenges for years right with the yeah. promise that eventually vr is going to be or ar is going to be a significant portion of the way that we interact with content or media or the world and i don't i'm not convinced i'm not doesn't seem like people want that as much as i think marketers who knows maybe a, maybe a really light headset that's wireless that connects to something that already plays games that you're interested in and it's a companion thing and if they get the price down to two three hundred dollars for the headset maybe there's a reason maybe people go you know what this is a toy and i want someone else to play yeah. and i want to oh, maybe i want to do fitness in vr which is you know a really compelling use case and i think there's potentially a route in there uh, we'll just have to wait and see i think you're right but I feel like for that to really be viable, the VR headset needs to get to the same place as like the tablet, right? Where it's a device where you're initially like, what, what do I need this for? Anything I can do on a tablet, I could do on a phone or I could do on a laptop, right? Like, but it's, it's the quality of life 
of it. It's it's the microwave equation, right? Nobody actually needs a microwave. Everything a microwave you can do can be done by another device, but it's convenient and it's fast and it's Look, we have devices that just boil cat uh, boil water. I bought you one, you know. <laughs> you did. Like it's very convenient to just put water in something and push a button and it boils it for me and I don't need to do anything else. And it's done in minutes and I don't have to look at it and be safe, you know. Yeah. There's, there's use there's use for single use device sure right? but but i don't vr hasn't proven what that is yet because no. the vr specific use cases are primitive and the non-vr specific use cases suck like they're not as enjoyable as just like do you what like who wants a screen on their face really well you know imagine it, you've mentioned that you would wouldn't mind a screen on your face but it was in a different context it was those glasses that you put on your face and you've got the screen there and you can plug it into your Steam Deck and you can kind of see a big screen of what you're playing on your Steam Deck or your Switch or whatever. Yeah. If it can get to the point where it's really light on your face and you're seeing like the games that you're going to be playing anyway, but you can use it in bed and not to disturb your partner and you can have like a big screen in front of your face. Like that's a use case I think a lot of people would, would want. Uh, yeah, I could see that. We'll but those those products already exist, maybe wireless. And, and again, then. like I don't they, know, they exist, but it's like they're not popular. They're very, they're very niche. Yeah, they're yeah. very niche. So it's like I don't know. Like, do people even really want that shit? I don't <clears> know. <throat> I don't know. I I I don't think the market has proven that people want it. And there are way dumber things that have ended up coming out and going over. That I you know, it, it's like the market speaks when it comes to consumer products, right? Like it. If people were dying to get VR, it would be more popular, even if it's expensive. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm interested to see what Valve has to offer because with the Steam Deck, they prove that they can innovate and do things that, um, you know, that that change change your mind, right? And like prove the value of of something, right? Like they they basically created this handheld PC market, so. I'm totally down to see them prove me wrong again. If anyone can do it. I hope so. I'd like to see you like, oh, you know what? I really want, I really want to play this one game in VR now. And I think I'm going to get, I'm going to do it. Cause I could see that happening. I would love, I think, I think for me, the thing that will make me a believer again is I, if I can get to the end of a year and one of the top 10 games in my game, in my game of the year is a VR exclusive experience. That's when I think, You've proven to me that VR is viable. The, the problem is, though, you I think you'd already have to have to have the VR setup in order for you to try the game, in order for yep. you to know that it's going to be one of your top ten. Yeah. Because I don't think you would go out of your way, even if everyone's telling you this is a ten out of ten game. Compete, you're going to love this game. It's hundred percent for you. It's perfect. You know, it's Pokemon mixed with Spider Man, <laughs> and it's everything that you love, <laughs> and you're going to want to play it. People, you know, you'd still be like, oh, yeah, but it's VR. I don't want that. Yeah. And you'd, I'd have to be convinced, yeah. you know, which I mean, can be done. So win me over. <laughs> think about it. I, I wasn't sold on the Steam Deck. And then you got one. And I was like, oh, okay, I want one. Yeah. Yeah. And you were, so, you know, you sold for different reasons than I was, but you yeah. still sold on it. But it's, but exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing. That's why the Steam Deck is a viable product. Right. And yeah. that's why I think this this set box is a viable product, because it's like I can come up with a bunch of reasons why you would use it or how you would use it. And I just think the the jury's still out for me on 
on whether VR is is really capable of delivering those experiences to people at a a reasonable enough price point that everyone will own one in the same way everyone owns a television. Oh God, yeah, imagine that not even in a television. I also can't imagine not owning a, a games console, and there are people that don't own one, so that's bizarre to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a totally different lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. I've, you know, I, I grew up with them, so. Well, we'll leave it there for today. This 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 conversation went to some interesting places. I'm interested to hear what, what y'all at home think. Like, are you interested in, in this Deckard? Uh, are you interested in the idea of this like set top box being a companion would you would you buy into something like that or do you see yourself you know wanting it to to connect to your your existing rig and like going the wireless card route and that kind of thing or like a dongle um i'm interested to hear because i know the the most interesting thing about our audience on this show is how different everybody's use cases are right? yeah. so many pc gamers that never touch a console and then there's a ton of us that you know, have decks and aren't on PC. And, you know, so I, I'm interested to see, like, of our audience, what segments this device potentially speaks to, you know? Could you see yourself buying into something like this and, and needing another portal for your Steam library? I'm interested. So make sure you let us know. Flipscreen.games, that's a website. Come track us down however you choose to. There's a bunch of ways to get involved. You can write into the show at questions at flipscreen.games. You can come join the Discord and keep the conversation rolling between episodes. Or if you want to get some more content, flipscreen.games. Go click on some of the other shows. Check out our sister shows, Nintendo Noise and uh, the Flipscreen Games podcast, where we talk about stuff not relating to Steam, Steam Deck, and PC gaming. And uh, yeah, just go over there and click on some stuff. Helps us out a lot. And of course, if you want to go above and beyond to show your support, we've got a Patreon. You know, we've, we've got all, the, all those places. Go and click on some stuff. Follow us however you choose to get involved or show your support. We greatly appreciate you tuning in to another episode of the Steam Deck podcast. For the crew, I've been Pete. He's been Steve. We'll see you next week.